later on this episode. What our purpose here should be on Earth, uh, and it truly is to, to add value to everything that we do. Uh, if you live by that rule, you're not really going to have, I feel, a, a lot of problems and you can take setbacks and, and come out uh, even better on the other side. All right, folks. Well, welcome to another episode of At the Podium with Manuel Mesquit. Today, I have a very, very special friend and guest, RJ King. And for those of you uh, not just in Detroit, not just in Michigan, not just in the Midwest, but nationally, you know the name. Uh, RJ is the editor and co-founder of D Business Magazine. Uh, five books, award-winning author. His most recent one uh, just dropped this calendar year. How he does it, I don't know, but check it out. Grounds for Freedom, Saving Chernobyl. And I'm going to say this before we even get started. I chuckled the first time I met RJ. I cold called him when I first moved to Michigan, asked for 15 minutes to get to know him and share my story. And as always, uh, what would you expect from someone like RJ? But for him to say yes, for him to be a professional, for him to be kind, for him to be empathetic and thoughtful, uh, we got together. And one thing RJ told me that just blew my mind in 2017 and still today, RJ typically attends over 200 events a year. Being an advocate, a steward, a, a, a news and information communicator to the world of all the great things that are going on in Detroit and Michigan and the Midwest and in the country. I still don't get it, RJ. 200 events a year and writing five books. Oh, and doing the 711 other things you do. Uh, welcome today to At The Podium. Well, thank you so much, Manny, for having me. Um, it was a, a true pleasure to meet you. The first time up, uh, you know, sky high in the um, Southfield <laughs> Town Center. Uh, and you have a wonderful team uh, that you've assembled. And uh, congratulations on the recent merger as well. I, I really appreciate that. So I'm super excited to be with you. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking in terms of three and buckets. And one, I, I'd like to be certain that we talk about business and, and, and just the things that you find most relevant about business leaders today, people who are really responsible for the stewardship and influence and leadership of large organizations. Number two, I, I just want to, I want to dig into uh, your life. I mean, you're, you're, you know, a few decades of just continuing to be a tremendous advocate and servant leader in business and two organizations like ours. And then third, I want to just dig into some unique lessons that I've taken from you and some really golden nuggets that uh, I think have uh, made our culture and our organization better. And I want to share those forward with young aspirants who are looking to get into that corner office as one of your books uh, wrote about. But we always start with a few questions and here we go. What is your favorite color? Uh, blue. Love it. Favorite afternoon snack? Uh, an apple. <laughs> Peeled? Uh, no, just regular uh, gala. Do you gala cut apple. it or you just eat it? 
I just have, I try to have an apple a day. Yes. I love it. Favorite childhood superhero. Uh, Batman. And see folks, no confusion on why I love RJ King. Okay. And so I've added a recent one, a fourth one uh, for most people. And so talk to us about either your favorite band, your favorite album, or your favorite song. Uh, well, my favorite band, which I've seen more than 25 times, is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I just love the energy of that band, uh, what they've been through. They've been doing it since uh, really, uh, I think, 1984. And um, for a band to be around that long and uh, yeah, they've added some members here and there over the years. But, uh, you know, they truly have kept to that uh, rock and roll uh you know, lifestyle, not so much lifestyle, but, um, you know, they, they keep coming up with albums that are, are relevant today and um, and speak to, you know, inclusion and, um, you know, peace and, um, and fun. Uh, one of Atlas and I's favorite, favorite songs is Dark Necessities. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not familiar with that song. Is it? Uh, is that one of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah, songs? it's more recent. It's okay. more recent. Yeah, yeah I'm going to send it to you. Mind. I'm going to send it to you. You know, I'm I'm All beginning, right, as, as you know, both Atlas and Ava, I'm beginning to be introduced to music through an 11 and a 13-year-old now, right? And so when, when you and I think about Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers, we're thinking about the same albums, uh, but my children are reminding me that, that these uh, musicians are still coming out with music today. And so I will send it to you. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. So, you know, let, let's start um, let's start with lessons. Um, I was so excited to have this conversation with you because I genuinely believe, and if you go back to my friends and family in Chicago and the mutual relationships we have here in Michigan, they will tell you they've likely heard me say that the secret to life as said by my friend RJ King is to add value a hundred plus times. I literally, the day you said that to me back in 2017, I was like, wait, that is the simplest way for me to communicate. So many of the smaller lessons our parents taught us as children growing up in the Chicago area. Talk to me, tell us, share with us, where did that come from? Like, when did that moment happen for you where you just said, that's the secret to life? That's it. And that's how I'm going to live the rest of my life doing the things that I do every day. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the specific moment, but I had been thinking about it for a while. Um, I was coming off of uh, writing um, a book called Passport to the Corner Office, the Starter's Guide to Corporate Life, and was you know, you're always trying to get that message down to a, really a few syllables for people to remember. And um, so, yeah, when I started thinking about, boy, is there a way to really sum up what the uh, secret to life is and what our purpose here should be on earth? Uh, and it truly is to, to add value to everything that we do. Uh, if you live by that rule, you're not really going to have, I feel, a, a lot of problems and you can take setbacks um, and downturns 
and really try to find that, you know, that silver lining or a way out of it um, or using all your resources and contacts uh, to, to pivot and, and come out uh, even better on the other side. But add value, uh, it, it just fits across so many different parts of life. Um, but mostly it, it really sums up the secret to life. Yeah, I, I, I always enjoy listening to you speak on that topic. I've, I've noticed uh, in the years of following you that you tend to approach conversations and or interviews with great questions. Outside of asking really thoughtful, intentional questions with the desire to understand someone and what might be most important to them. Can you share maybe a few other nuggets, a few other characteristics, a few other tactical keys to success in identifying ways to add value in the environments that we're in? Uh, well, sure. You're, uh, whenever I'm uh, at an event or interviewing somebody, I'm always um, kind of looking 360 uh, as much as possible. Uh, to see who's come into the room or uh, someone I <clears throat> just have met. And uh, really, right away, I always put um, that person front and forward. And I'll ask them, okay, what kind of um, work do you do? Or, um, you know, where do you live? And, and people really, really enjoy, you know, talking about themselves. And I, and I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but people have a story and, and they like to tell their story and um, you really have to be patient um, in, in that way for what I do in terms of trying to find the best stories for our readers. Um, I'm always trying to get uh, information out of people and make them comfortable and compliment them uh, and get them at ease and they're going to be much more likely to uh, provide a, a nice relaxed answer. They won't be short with you. They'll spend time with you. Uh, you can follow up with them, uh, but you're always putting people first. Um, and, and you're reading people, uh, instantly as well. I mean, I've, I've met and interviewed, um, you know, probably more than yeah. 15,000 people, whatever it's been. So you pick up on a lot of things pretty quickly by watching people. Um, and then sometimes uh, you're at an event and, you know, there's sometimes a person that's, you know, new to town or they're just standing by themselves at a, at a, a high top. And, you know, I try to slide over there uh, and introduce myself, sometimes uh, bring along a, a friend or an acquaintance so that you're always being inclusive. Um, and, you know, it can be hard, but you really have to, uh, you know, be a little uh, ambitious and, and introduce yourself and, 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 you know, you see your, your, your friends that are given an event, but, um, the way you can add value is to meet new people, uh, or be introduced to new people. And of course, uh, as my good friend, Gordon Fulmer says, always bring business cards wherever you go <laughs> and hand those out. Those are, um, amazing tools. Um, what I call the hardware, of uh, 
something that lasts from a conversation you've had with someone. Uh, so those are some of the, um, the ways that I do that. And, you know, literally last night uh, I was at an event at the Detroit Athletic Club and the James group in Detroit was celebrating their 50th oh. uh, anniversary. And uh, there was another event uh, that was on the second floor up on the seventh floor was another event I attended uh, to announce the new honorary council of Switzerland for Michigan, uh, Frank Muller and uh, Bob Lutz, the famous vice chairman of General Motors. Yeah. Also worked for Ford and Chrysler. Uh, he, he was there at the Swiss consulate event and John James on the second floor was uh, anxious to meet him, but you know, his family was there and he was, you know, he, he was like, Oh, my, my wife's going to, I'll be in trouble with my wife if I disappear. And I said, I said, John, let's just go upstairs. It'll be four minutes. And so we went upstairs in four minutes. We had our photographer there. They got a shot of him and Bob. They were able to have a small conversation and then uh, got back downstairs in four minutes. And, you know, both of those gentlemen uh, were very, very excited to see each other. They've been longtime friends, but uh, sometimes you got to just uh, encourage people to, uh, to take out a step. And, and it turns out his wife never missed him. So <laughs> <laughs> as, as never said before, right? <laughs> Right, 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 right. So that was good. Uh, no, that's great. And 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 what I'm what I'm hearing uh, consistently is is the ability to to identify people who 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 might enjoy having a conversation and then be thoughtful in the discussion, ask good questions, listen, and and ultimately in the end, and I've seen you do this masterfully over the last several years, is connect great people with great people. Yeah, those are uh, uh, the ability to do that um, comes with knowing a lot of people, and and I've been fortunate to to have that experience with um, D Business Magazine and and the Daily and and all the contacts that uh, that you built up over the years. I mean, my phone probably got more than five thousand people yeah. in there, <laughs> um, and it's amazing that I sometimes uh, and I one trick that I have is I. Uh, when I learn that a person's uh, spouse's name or a friend or whatever, I'll put that in to my phone. And then, you know, it can be six months later and you can't remember everybody's name all the time, but yes, I look down and see, you know, Oh, John and Sally, Sally you know, and you can go up and Hey, John, Sally. And, and either he or she, who's ever the executive, the other one is so happy that somebody actually remembers their name that's right. And, um, and can, you know, and then a little jog my memory and it's like, Oh yeah, we, we met at that sunset at the zoo event or whatever it might be. And, and you can just, um, you know, another trick is, is, is you observe people for the first time, you know, the human body is, is hardwired with good and bad emotions. And the more that you can, um, compliment someone, uh, for what they're wearing or, or what they just said or the job that they do, you, you can just feel their body just rise up and, and they're in a very happy state. And that's another secret to the interviews that I do is, is you really want to put people at ease and have them be comfortable and um, certainly not get into any uh, political discussions because that usually can go sideways very quick. <laughs> So I avoid all of those. And frankly, we don't cover politics, but um, 
that's one thing I would definitely avoid. Um, but other than that, the more that you can compliment someone um, in the first few seconds that you're meeting, that conversation is going to go so much better. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I want to go back to literally like four or five minutes ago, but you mentioned Gordon Fulmer and Chad, I'm going to give Gordon Fulmer at UHY a shout out right now. Always bring the hardware. Uh, RJ was kind enough to make the introduction uh, between us, invited us to a lunch at the DAC and he brought the hardware and I didn't. It was like, I was like, why, why did I stop carrying business cards? I mean, Gordon literally just schooled me. So, Hey, to Mr. Fulmer at UHY, always bring the hardware. And uh, I love that you brought that example up. Um, anyway, so, so, okay. So I'm, I'm like going in all these like spider web tangents, but one thing I'm thinking about is again, going back to this concept of the secret to life is adding value. So we, we discussed a couple of the tactical things you tend to do, but at the end of the day, people and organizations have to find genuine value in your presence, in your involvement, in your hands touching their body of work and their priorities. You serve on like seven to eight boards. It uh, wasn't always that way. Let Can we go back in time a little bit to maybe the first, second, or third board you served on. And what were some of the basic tactical things that you were doing then that you think positioned you well to be recognized as not just a thought leader, but an influencer and someone who could create an impact? Well, I think, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, I had started in 1990 as a business writer at the Detroit News right out of college, um, had grown up in a, a Ford family, um, and we had a lot of parties uh, uh, at our house when we were kids. Uh, so uh, going into the Detroit News, I had a, you know, a very good uh, network of, uh, of Ford people that I could talk to. And then, you know, uh, I had thought of being on a nonprofit board at, at some point, but the first, you know, 10 years of just learning everything and, and getting to know everybody around town. Um, but by building up those contacts, uh, I was getting approached. Um, I think the first board I joined was uh, Beyond Basics, which is a nonprofit literacy organization in Detroit that's doing amazing work. And now I'm the longest serving board member there, but um, that was a, a very interesting process because they were at that time in 2008, were doing all their accounting in-house um, and really doing uh, too much in-house. Uh, they needed to outsource some things, have a third party accounting firm and all those good things to sign off on the books. And so going through that process and, um, and then I got on the, uh, was asked to be on the board of the Asian Pacific American Chamber of Commerce, uh, which is based here. And uh, you'll find this, uh, if you haven't already, a lot of these organizations, uh, American Heart 
Society and the American Lung Society and, or Foundation, they're typically in the top five around the country uh, in terms of money raised. Uh, and that's in large part because Detroit's such a, a giving community um, and it's, it's so old, uh, you know, it's more than 300 years old. It's older than the country. It's the oldest city in the Midwest. And, um, you know, having um, all of that uh, going on and with the automotive industry, that is a big reason why these chapters of these um, national nonprofit organizations are, are so prominent here. Um, and then if you, if you go to Somerset, um, it just as a little tangent, all of those stores, they're in their top five, um, either nationally or internationally, uh, because there is so much wealth here. Um, and then if you look up north, all the second home community, there's, there's not much like that anywhere around the country. Um, and, uh, you know, 13,000 lakes and all those types of things. But, um, you know, bringing all of that experience to these boards, um, I'm on a couple of for-profit companies now, Detroit Aircraft Corporation and ASX, which is literally in the process of building a full-scale flying uh, aerial taxi, uh, first to deliver cargo and then passengers, but also as a medvac where you could uh, pick up someone in a remote location and get them to the nearest hospital or deliver um medical supplies to remote locations. So uh, that's a really exciting company based out of Detroit City Airport. Um, also help out my alma mater high school, uh, Brother Rice High School, in terms of uh, the business warriors and um, uh, probably a couple I've missed, but um, it uh, it's a rewarding process and uh, it's a way to give back to the community and, and frankly, at, at, at value. Where, where do you think the, that like sort of genuine, uh, not sort of, but where do you believe that genuine, authentic desire to give back came from for you? Well, I think um, it came from my parents. I was fortunate to have uh, two wonderful parents. Uh, and they're both uh, still here and doing very well at 85 and 84. And, you know, growing up, they were always, um, you know, with nine kids, I have six sisters and two brothers. And, and I'm, frankly, I don't know how my parents did it. Um, dad worked for Ford and mom was a full-time uh, housewife. And, um, but they were always going to PTA meetings, um, uh, active with the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. And, uh, and then as you get older, you, you, you realize you know, hey, you're not a kid anymore, and and that it does require adults to to run these organizations to benefit um, children and uh, the disadvantaged, um, those that uh, need remedial help in school uh, to get at their grade level or higher in terms of reading or arithmetic or science. And um, you know, I feel education is is the greatest thing uh, a person can have. And these kids are innocent. So whether it's in Detroit or, or the suburbs or outstate, I really feel that the more that we can support education and, and make sure 
that this next generation of students has um, all the tools that they need to be successful, um, it's going to be so much better for our region, our state, and, and frankly, our country. Let's um, and I really appreciate you saying that. I've got I've got two thoughts. Um, as we were having that conversation, I was listening. Number one, let's go back to Beyond Basics really quick. Uh, easily, easily, the organization, uh, them and Gleaners, that I am the most passionate about since I've arrived in the state of Michigan. The stuff Pamela Good, the board. Jack Crisula, this gang is doing, I mean, it's just really special. Give us the 30 to 60 second commercial on that. And then I'd like permission to comment. And then I want to go to the second topic. For sure. Well, Beyond Basics, it's a nonprofit literacy organization in Detroit. And uh, through the uh, approval of uh, principal, we go into a public school have access to a special classroom. And as soon as a teacher identifies a student is falling behind in reading, writing, or word comprehension, uh, they go to the special classroom for one hour a day where they're paired one-on-one with a certified tutor. And within six weeks, those students are reading back at grade level or higher. Who do you, um, from your experience serving on the board and that extensive experience you have on the board, really kind of being the, the governor of it uh, in some sense. Who, who's been just a tremendous advocate that, that needs to know that, just needs to hear, hey, you've been an incredible advocate on the outside of Beyond Basics, but in the world, ensuring that we can connect Pamela and this incredible organization with children that deserve these resources. Who's that? You mean in terms of uh, the organization or person that an organization or an individual sure well i would say general motors um they provided a a million dollar gift in february of 2020 and uh also just recently selected uh beyond basics as uh, an essential charity or nonprofit, if you will uh in detroit that they're going to support uh and that's going to bring us a lot more attention uh as soon as these children have uh, the ability to read, the whole world opens up to them. If they can't read, uh, they're going to more likely be a bully and more likely uh, have trouble, um, probably won't finish high school. And, um, you know, the trouble ensues, um, you know, jail, crime. Um, so the more that we can give students the ability to read it, at the youngest age possible, uh, it's so much better for our society. And, and we're not paying all of these um, benefits, uh, Medicare and, and everything later in life because uh, people who can read uh, typically are able to hold a full-time job down. Um, so there's not all those resources that have to be brought in later in life because they, they can't hold down a full-time job and have to rely on benefits and food stamps and things like that. It, it's much better to um, to do it when a child is in the second, third or fourth grade and, and really make sure that that they're on course to, um, to, to read and, and do math and science and, um, and graduate and, and get into a college, a community college, uh, 
college or a university? You know, I, I want to be certain that I, I, I recognize and acknowledge uh, the comments you just made by just reinforcing my, my genuine passion and affection for this organization. Uh, it's one thing to be an adult that might struggle with reading or might be from a different country and not be able to read English. It's another thing for a child to be born into this great country and not have that ability. And I'm, I'm just so proud of what your board, what Pamela, what Jack and the others, what General Motors has stepped up and basically said is like, this is a human right that everyone deserves. And, and I hope folks who do listen to this, whether it's today or someday down the road, you look up Beyond Basics and you consider them as, as one of the most meaningful organizations that exist that are truly empowering people to empower the future of our great country in this world. Beyond Basics, Pamela Good, look them up. Uh, it's meaningful. I want to pivot to the second bucket. I heard you say eight siblings. Yes. Previously, and it's been a while, but previously I've heard you in interviews and conversations acknowledging that having been a middle child to some extent, it organically kind of gave you the gift of negotiation and influencing healthy, meaningful, good outcomes. Talk to me about that, where that came from as a child. I'm a middle child. You know, my family looks at me at, as the mediator and, and the negotiator of, of happiness. Like I'm always trying to make sure everyone's happy. That really resonated with me. Talk to us about where that came from and, and just how valuable that's been for you in business. Right. So I have, um, thank you, Manny. I have um, three sisters and a brother uh, who are older and three sisters and a brother who are younger. And uh, yeah, naturally, I suppose as the ultimate middle child, I, um, you, you do learn to negotiate between the older and the younger kids on different topics. And um, one of the key things growing up is uh, is the my siblings who were older than me older than me were learning to drive. Uh, we had you know two cars, one for dad, one for mom, of course. And so the kids obviously needed a car at some point, and, um, and nobody would ask my parents because they were too scared. Uh, so I just went down that night when, when they were reading the newspapers in the living room after dinner and, and said, you know, Hey, I, uh, I think we need to, to get another, you know, I was like 11, 12 years old. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, I, I think we need to get another car because of all the uh, events and, you know, learning to swim and all those things, summer camps and, and, you know, Kathy and Linda and Nancy, they, they're all can drive now. And uh, so they, they were like, yeah, we probably should get another car. And so that, uh, that worked out nicely for all the kids. And um, so in those situations, um, being a middle child, you, you, do, you do learn to negotiate and you, and you learn to hear other people's uh, position 
um, in, in you develop a patience as well. Um, and we were fortunate, uh, you know, all the all of our our entire family uh, went to college, and now there's 24 nieces and nephews, and they're all uh, have either finished college, in college, or they're going to college. And there's no discussion of, hey, you know, I, I don't feel like going to college. I mean, they just it's yeah. just rain, and they they're they prepare for it, and. Um, Frankly, you know, people, you hear, boy, the youth today and, you know, those kinds of comments, but boy, you know, some of the um, children of I meet of, of friends or associates, I, I mean, these kids are just so smart. Um, and yeah, they have, they have things to learn, of course, and uh, probably focused too much on uh, software. I, I really like the word hardware because uh, you, you still have to build things to to get people to and from places and, and you know put that cell phone or tablet in their hand that somebody's got to build that uh, and design it and everything. So uh, uh, it, you know being that middle child was uh, you know a very rewarding uh, experience. Well, and 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 I you know thank you for sharing uh, those stories and examples. I often think about uh, in any environment where we desire to create influence and add value. You know, we've we've got to be willing to ask good questions and listen. You know, yeah, listening is is can be the hardest part. I I you know have been in group interviews. Uh, with reporters, you know, say at a press conference and, um, you know, you just see a lot of time wasted by long-winded questions. Um, and, uh, frankly, uh, one of my tricks at the, when I was at the Detroit news and was attending these press conferences, I noticed if I asked a, a very detailed question, everybody else would have it in their story. So, after a, a few of those, I just stopped asking questions during the press conference. And then immediately when it was over, I would uh, go up to whether it was the mayor or the CEO of the company and get my question in right away when I won. And then I had, uh, you know, typically I had more background than most reporters on yes. what was going on. And so that way I could get a fresh quote that nobody else had and an angle that nobody had. Um, and those things start to pile up and, and people, before they announce things, they, they tend to come to, uh, come to you to, um, you know, to get their story told. Uh, That's right. And, you know, we're not, um, you know, we, we do things right down the middle. Um, we, we don't uh, jump up and down and say, Oh, this is going to be the greatest thing since the, uh, Apple phone or anything like that, but, um, you know, it, it, um, it's probably a, a lost art, if you will, um, in the media these days, it, it's so opinionated out there. Um, but, uh, what we come right down the middle and, and been rewarded for that, um, you know, through our subscriptions and our readership and our internet traffic. Well, and, and, and let's not, I mean, look, you, you can be humble. I don't have to be humble because it's my podcast, 45 awards, at least I might've stopped counting 45 awards 
since the founding of D business. And, and I look, I'll, I'll tell you folks, I mean, um, there are a number of ways I consume information, but as the team here knows, there's a couple times a year where I'm like, where is the magazine? Why did somebody grab it? It's got my name on it, put it in my office. And so I love that, right? 45 awards plus congratulations, well-deserved. I still think it comes down to, and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, because, uh, you know, even in, in, in financial security, stability, and success, and in wanting to architect these great financial plans for our clients that are reflective of their dreams, priorities, and fears, we have to ask great questions, listen, and then not add our own subjectivity into that. Literally just listen and do what they've asked you to do. Share a little bit about that. I, I tend to find, I love it when you say, hey, like, look, we're right down the middle. We're not political. We're not, you know, we're literally getting a story and we're transferring the story forward so that you have that same information. Talk to us about how you've been able to be the steward and team captain in an organization that I think genuinely provides objective information, fact over fiction about what's really happening in business. Uh, yeah, thank you for that, Manny. There's a old saying about the media that um, there's a separation between church and state and churches, the editorial side and the state side is the advertising side. And, and really you keep those two separate, literally in our building, they're in a different area that um, not so much that we don't mingle, but um, that sort of uh, symbolic wall is there. And so your editorial is free from any kind of uh, advertising content or uh, advertising wanting to, uh, you know, uh, have their ad in a certain position in the magazine, um, the, all of those things go into it, but editorial never gets into that. Um, and so we're free to come up with um, what we feel are amazing stories for our readers, new things that they haven't thought of, um, things that have happened to companies that uh, you would never think were possible and how they were able to, to get through it and pivot. Um, and get to uh, the other side in a much better place. And, um, and we're also uh, primarily focused on businesses that are based in Metro Detroit that are either growing here nationally or internationally. And then all the wonderful uh, personalities and knowledge base that we have here because Michigan is uh, you know, one of the few places in the world where you have an extensive maker economy um, you know, obviously manufacturing um, parts and full automobiles, vehicles, um, but also aerospace, healthcare, medical devices, um, the jewelry, whatever it is, uh, you can build it here in Metro Detroit. Uh, we have all the natural resources, um, tight tolerances, uh, incredible engineering talent. Uh, the most technical centers in the world. Um, so it, it's always fascinating when new people come to town and they're just blown away 
by, you know, the number of uh, creative people that they meet in a short period of time uh, in Metro Detroit. Um, and it can be difficult to navigate, but once you learn the secrets um, and the fact that pretty much every country has a chamber here uh, and or a consulate. Um, so if you wanted to uh, learn about a new auto dealership that was opening up in Moscow, uh, you would just you know call over to the Russian chamber and they could get you over there. So that ability to get um, all over the world in a very quick amount of time is one of the great benefits of Metro Detroit's uh, economy. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I think for the folks that are listening, I mean, I just want to recognize uh, and, and ensure that folks saw that. I literally took 10 steps backwards in my office. I picked the book up that was at the top of my stack and it's Detroit engine of America. And as most people who know me know, I have three to 400 books in my office that I've, I I keep no book that I've not read. And uh, it's literally one of the books I've enjoyed the most. And, and I'm going to say this right now, uh, because as you know, RJ, I come from Chicago. It's on top of a book about Hallis Hall, Walter Payton, the 1985 Chicago Bears, and the city of Chicago during Mayor Daly's regime, who I have a lot of love and respect for Mayor Daly. I was a registered lobbyist in the city of Chicago during his time and during a small window of his time. And, And he's just someone that was very meaningful to me in my life early on in my career. But Detroit Engine of America, and, and look, I mean, I when I think about that, I think about, well, one, folks should buy the book. I mean, please just read. Read. It's a beautiful thing. We talked about Beyond Basics. Uh, the Detroit Engine of America, an incredible book. You've accumulated this tremendous amount of factual, like historical information about Detroit, about Michigan, about this really being sort of the heart of, of the country, where is Detroit going? Well, I think Detroit um, is one of the brain centers of the world and, uh, you know, a big part of, uh, of the economy worldwide is transportation, moving people and cargo back and forth uh, to make our lives easier. And, um, you know, Detroit is competing against uh, Silicon Valley, um, you know, Germany, uh, South Korea, China, Japan, um, and Israel. I think those are the main brain centers around the world. But we're one of the few that we can certainly do software all day, design it, uh, but we can also design and build the hardware. If you look at Silicon Valley and California in general, they they don't produce a lot of things. They've got the Tesla plant uh, in Van Nuys, hmm. and there might be one other, but um, uh, and Israel, I think, is uh, is right there with us on the on the brain center side. That's just an amazing amount of talent uh, in such a small space as well. And then, you know, South Korea, you look to them, uh, you know, we're just now getting into 5G. They're now getting into 6G. Uh, So they've been an amazing 
resource. China, you, you've got to be careful with China. Um, they tend to steal things um, overall, but uh, overall it's a great country. But I think um, with the um, political aspect there that can make things very difficult and you'll be reading about that more in the January issue of D-Business magazine. And, and Japan has just been um, a longtime friend of the U.S. and uh, just a great ally. And there's some amazing technology coming from there too. But those six or seven brain centers, that's where um, Detroit is at. And um, to keep all of that going, uh, again, Manny, it gets back to that educational front mm -hmm. and we got to have an eagle eye on making sure that all of those children have uh, a good education. And, um, and that frankly will help with uh, solving any kind of uh, labor shortages going forward as well. Well, and, and I really, I really appreciate you um, sharing that about where the eagle eye needs to be, right, around education and the empowerment of, of, of uh, you know, our future leaders to be able to read and, and, and communicate thoughtfully. I, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, and I, and I want to be thoughtful here because we only have a few minutes left. Um, so many young professionals follow you. They they uh, subscribe to D Business. I mean, I know that's a growing segment of uh, your your readership. You know, you wrote the Starter's Guide to Corporate Life, right? The Passport to the Corner Office. Um, give me one or two of the nuggets for those who have not read it that that should go out and buy the book and read it. Give me one or two of the nuggets, the most meaningful nuggets from your perspective of what it takes to continue to invest in yourself so that you can continue to ascend to the corporate, the executive role that's, you know, in your mind's eye. Well, again, it's that ability to read people right away. Um, and, uh, you know, you can tell by their mannerisms, how they're dressed, um, the way they act, the way they speak. And, uh, you know, sometimes people um, need assistance in, in certain things and um, that ability to, to assist them um, is uh, not only rewarding, but it'll, it'll help that person um, literally the next day. Um, and I don't want to cite any specific examples on that one, but, uh, and then all, you know, on the other side, you know, there's, uh, business executives that have made major mistakes over the years that um, they're so in the bubble, so to speak, that they can't see what's going on around them. Mm -hmm. And um, for instance, the former CEO of General Electric, uh, which is a company that was, uh, you know, one of the top companies in the world for years and years and years. And, and they really uh, have consolidated, but their CEO, uh, Jeffrey Emlett, um, he was flying around in a in a jet, which is is fine because at that level you you do need to be uh, have your CEO be as efficient as possible. But he didn't like that if the plane broke down um, that he would have to fight commercial. So he actually had another private jet trail his private jet wherever he went, and eventually that got out and the, that 
really led to, um, in part to his um, retirement, if you will, from General Electric. But th th those are just silly things that are just uh, way over the top that, you know, the people just get too far into their bubble and um, you, you really need to, to get out drive around, meet new people, go to events that you nor normally wouldn't go to, support nonprofits as much as possible and meet people um, so that you're, you're always at the, you know, the leading edge of, of, of what's coming and, um, and can share that uh, with, uh, in our case, our, our readers. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for those examples and those stories. RJ, I've, as always, thoroughly enjoyed our time together. Uh, I look forward to hopefully many more conversations uh, on a much more intimate level, but as always, man, I mean, just continue, uh, continued uh, happiness, health, uh, and success in business. Love D business. If you're not picking it up, if you're not subscribing, I mean, you have to, you, you really do have to, if you've not heard of beyond basics uh, you must Take a minute to check them out. Again, shout out to Pamela Good, Jack Rasula, and the gang, the entire board. Gina Coleman, love Gina uh, at Beyond Basics. My boy, Patrick Ruggiero. I, I mean, just an incredible organization doing incredible things with incredible people. If there was one more organization. You just know so many people and so many great things happening in Detroit and Michigan. If there was one more organization, RJ, that you just wanted to give uh, some recognition and acknowledgement to, what is it? And tell us a quick story. Uh, well, I think it's um, it, one favorite program of mine um, is First Robotics. And it's not only here, but uh, all over the country. And these students from Detroit, um, frankly, they, they do have a, a leg up in that they have uh, mentors that are working uh, engineers and executives from largely the automotive and manufacturing space. And uh, typically every year, uh, if you, you get into March and these students are you know, working on these robots, uh, it's such a great program because more and more uh, as you can see with this labor challenge, and we're covering that in the November issue in part, but you're you're seeing a robotic revolution coming. And um, and I think it'll be great, uh, not only for um, improving our quality of life, but um, those are brain jobs, uh, you know, that, yes. uh, and you, you get into that field um, and it's gonna carry you through the rest of your life. Um, so I think uh, that first robotics is one of uh, a nonprofit uh, that I really have a, a great affinity for. Love it. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time as always. And I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Well, RJ so King, RJ King, editor and co-founder of D business magazine, award-winning author, five books, my two favorite Detroit engine of America. And you've got to go check out grounds for freedom saving Chernobyl. RJ, thank you. Thank you so much, Manny. Appreciate it.